Ames. Back at it again, Raf. Indeed we are. So how many people do you subscribe to on OnlyFans? Look, I, I kind of gave myself a hard cap at 15. Okay. I thought if I kind of went over 15, then it would, that would just wouldn't become a problem. So it's, I'm sort of going on a one-in, one-out policy. Yeah. So when, I, when I sort of tire of one person, I ditch them and I, and I pick up a new, a new fascination. Um, but as long as I keep it at 15, you know, what am I spending? Probably, I don't know, like $3,500 a month. I think that's really manageable. Yeah, fair enough. My addiction is Cameo. All right, cool. My great Cameo story. Well, first of all, I got Ice-T to do like a shout out to my group chat, mm. which cost like $180. Wow. Um, <laughs> I see a good group chat. <laughs> Not really. No, they're wonderful. No, but the, my great Cameo story is when um, I reported back when I was at Pedestrian about Flavor Flav. Mm. This, was a, this was a story a few years ago now. He, he did a shout out to George Pell. Yep. During George Pell's trial. I can't remember if he'd been convicted or not at the time. Obviously, he's no longer convicted, just yeah. <laughs> for legal reasons, I'm going to say that. But anyway, uh, Flavor Flav was of public enemy, was tricked mm. into doing a, um, a shout out to George Pell by some ne'er-do-wells from, from down under. He was like, this is a shout out to my boy, George Pell, blah, 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 blah. I reported on it because I saw a post on it online. Mm. And then Flavor Flav rang me uh, on my mobile phone to to argue for his innocence in the matter. Did you make an editor's note? Well, I did another story, but he I spoke to him for about 15 minutes while he went on and on about, about how he'd been betrayed and how the guy who had done it was a rat. <laughs> how did he get your number? Through like, his producer spoke to someone else that was working there. So they, he just called me and like, I picked it up and it was him. I still got his number on my phone. It's great. Nice. I have Warwick Kappa's number in my phone because I got a, a cameo from him, but like before cameo. Oh, okay. So just like- He put on Twitter, pay me 30 bucks and I'll do a video <laughs> shout out. It's no middleman. That's the future. And so I transferred it to his- I've got his ABN and his ACN and BSB as well if anyone wants to transfer him some money. <laughs> yes. Sounds good. It's a month later, about a month ago, we did an episode of Down Round about pornography mm. and we're sort of, we're back to the trough. We're, <laughs> we're, we're back here uh, getting more content out of uh, porno being as it is the dark matter of the internet. Yes. But the reason we're talking about OnlyFans is not just because- Because <laughs> of your crippling addiction. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. The reason is because it was recently revealed just how much money OnlyFans mm. is currently making. Yeah. Raf, could you explain to us what OnlyFans is for the people at home who aren't aware? I, as a content maker, as a creator, am able to create a community which people pay for access to, usually for videos often pornographic in nature, uh, as well as my understanding is, you know, you can pay one off. So, there might be like a video, even for subscribers, there's a video that costs a bit extra or you can kind of one off buy access to like images or, or videos, usually sexually in nature, not always. Yeah. It was actually really early to like the creator economy kind of thing. It got in ahead of the wave in about 2016. And it was originally pitched as just like a creator app where anybody could come and do whatever it is they do, videos, pictures, 
and giving access for, you know, chat and communication with their fans. People could pay for subscriptions. As you say, there are pay-per-view events and you can pay to message and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a community of only fans. Correct. Of yours. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I assume that's where the name comes from. But quite quickly, it became the app of choice for basically freelance pornographers or adult creators started using it en masse. So there's a bit, of a, a bit of a disconnect where the actual app and all the branding and all the, the public marketing for it is not really about porn, but that's what the platform is used for, mm. essentially. Um, it was started by a guy named Tim Stokely, who's a British businessman. It's a British app. It's probably the most successful British tech company in a very long time, actually. And he started it with his dad, <laughs> which, <Nice. laughs> which you know, is an interesting business partnership for anything, yeah. let alone an app that's mostly used for pornography. But it was sold in uh, a few years later to a guy named Leonid Radvinsky, mm-hmm. uh, who was basically an old school internet porn guy. Mm. He like a, a tycoon of like internet porn in like the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. So every kind of sleazy possible tactic you can imagine being used by porn creators back then was this is what this guy was. Yeah. And he's essentially taking it over. He smelt an opportunity. Correct, yeah. But anyway, going on to like the news of the day, a lot of reports over the past week over exactly how much money OnlyFans has actually made. Uh, they had a massive boon during the pandemic, obviously. People didn't have anything to do, I guess. Um, and also were searching for, I guess, connection and the parasocial relationships you develop with various sorts of creators. Anyway, um, in, t- in 2021, OnlyFans made net revenue of $932 million, of which there was pre-tax profits of $433 million. So that's obviously a lot of dough. That's a huge amount of dough. And then they paid two creators about $3.86 billion. Yeah, a serious money. Yeah, because uh, like other creator platforms, uh, the, the business model of OnlyFans is they take a cut of 10% for subscriptions and everything that goes through it. Yeah, but obviously unlike somewhere like Substack, there's, there's a lot of money. There's billions and billions of dollars going through this service. Yeah, there it's, is. It's highly popular. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on... Uh, on, on the area, as, sure. people, as people know, I'm a curious. Correct, yeah. You know, it doesn't wet my whistle. Mm-hmm. But um, there probably weren't really that many other avenues to go down this route pre-OnlyFans in that, you know, you wanted to be a porn star, you'd presumably have to go through God knows what hoops to in order to achieve that goal. Um, <laughs> yeah. And people, it seems like, were using things like private Snapchats and like they were using kind of social media to create their own version of this, like pay subscription via some other payment service in order to get access to my Snapchat, my private Snapchat. So it did seem like there was actually like obviously a want in the market. And like I guess from the creative perspective, you can earn decent money working from home, small business owner. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, you'd know as an independent you know, you're a creator. I am, yeah, of a sort, yeah. <laughs> As you say, it, it provided like a, a structural system by which people could be a freelance porn creator basically, mm. develop their own content and sell it. And if you look at OnlyFans, all of the various sort of tools that it offers its creators and, and people who are subscribing, it's basically given every possible w- way you might want to extract money out of like basically a horny guy. Yeah. As I say, you, you can pay a monthly subscription. On top of that, you can pay pay-per-view or ind- individual videos can mm. have their own charge. You can pay to text. So you can text the the model that, you, that you, you're subscribing to. Um, and basically this builds up to be uh, quite a cost commitment if this is something that you actually want to do. Yeah. But what, a year ago or so, there was a bit of hullabaloo because they 
threatened to ban porn, basically. They didn't yeah. threaten. They said they announced that they were going to yeah. remove all kind of sexual iconography from the website. That's right. In uh, October last year, they based, they literally just announced one day that they were taking porn off the platform. To be clear, as I said before, it likes to pretend that you can do other stuff on there, and people do. You know, there are OnlyFans creators who are, are not porn creators. Well, like Cardi B. Yeah, well, so there are celebrities. I mean, even in the case of Cardi B, she's sort of trading on the fact that it is a porn app yeah. and she's, you know, doing her thing. But there are people that do like, that are like cooking creators mm. and stuff who use it. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because everything about the way the platform is structured is obviously for porn, but you can. Yeah, if I'm like a cooking person, I can be like, pay, you know, an extra four bucks <laughs> for this exclusive photo of me in the kitchen. It's yeah. like, yeah, or pay $10 to text me. <laughs> <laughs> but they so they announced all of a sudden that they were moving, they were banning all adult content from the app, which caused everyone to go, you're not really going to have a product anymore. And obviously uh, sex workers and adult creators who use the app were up in arms and, and angry about it. It was initially thought that it had something to do with MasterCard. Yeah, the payment processes. The payment, as we've talked about in other apps, uh, sorry, other episodes in the past, they thought it was the payment processing side of things that maybe um, MasterCard had come down and threatened to not be able to process their payments. It actually turned out to be their banks, mm. their UK-based banks, seemed like they were not going to approve transactions anymore, essentially, mm. or allow them to store money from this. And then five days later, they said. Porn's back on the menu, boys. Um, we're all good. We got assurances from our banks that it's fine, mm. which just seems like a huge amount. It was like the one of the biggest stories on the internet for like a week. Yeah, was this, and it, it, it's bizarre that it came to such a quick resolution. The interesting thing is, is that OnlyFans has a really strange kind of relationship with the rest of the internet. It's yeah. kind of a semi-legitimate in the sense that you know it makes a bucket load of money. Mm. A lot of people use it, but it can't be on the app store. It doesn't have an app. You have to access it through the browser. Mm. And all these models that use it need to find a way to kind of market themselves, yeah. you know, and, and say that they have great content that people might want to subscribe to. Yeah, which is why you may have come across it or come across people advertising it yeah. as well on places in particular like Twitter. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, they, it, it's all over it. Mm. And they, these people kind of have to play a really kind of delicate game in the sense that they want to show how great their content is. Mm. Obviously, their content's not meant to be on Instagram, TikTok, and, well, Twitter's another story, but we'll talk about it in a sec. So they kind of play this weird game of chicken with moderation platforms of Instagram, for example. They'll post something that's, like, so insanely provocative and hope that Instagram doesn't ban them. Because the idea being that some guy will see that and be like, oh, hell yeah, and yeah. click through and subscribe and start paying money for more. But if they go too far, that's their marketing channel axed and dead. Yeah. So this leads to the other kind of like funny secondary story here that happened over the past week. Casey Newton, who runs a um, substack called Platformer, reported a story that said Twitter looked at that, saw how much... Half a billion in EBITDA. Which is starting to, you know, get closer and closer to how much Twitter makes through advertising. Saw the fact that their platform is full of models who are using it to advertise. And keep in, keep in mind, Twitter is the only mainstream social media platform that allows adult content. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it has been the case for a while. And post links as well. Like unlike Instagram, I'm, I'm basically saying you can have a link on your profile. You can post links like, you know, in your comments. So it's obviously a fantastic top of the funnel for yep. if you're an OnlyFans creator. That's right. So Twitter looked at that and they were like, why are we kind of letting them use our platform as like a free marketing channel for their, their porn site? We could be the porn site. Yeah. Um, we so already are, basically. We, we already are one, so why aren't we making money from it? Yeah. Um, so basically, they set up like a little team within Twitter whose goal was let's create like a paid porn product, mm. which is deranged. That's absolutely deranged. Like, And obviously, the thought of like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok doing that, they would never do that. No. <laughs> you know, of course not. For the reasons you've already brought up that OnlyFans has struggled with, A, it's, it's hard to get finance. And- B, you know, your shareholders, which is a publicly listed company, are not going to be happy. Like, there's going to be a lot of companies, pension funds, etc., who just can't invest in you anymore. Yeah. C, is Twitter going to be on the App Store? Like, yeah. how is that? There's going to be an issue with Apple there because Apple don't allow pornography, obviously, in the App Store. If you're now saying that you're a monetizable, like, adult content site, that's an issue. <laughs> I mean, there's so many issues. There's that's so many. Just even the fact that, you know, we talked about this in the episode last week, but, like, Twitter is, like, it doesn't have the biggest user base. It doesn't make the most money, but it probably has near the top of, in terms of influence. World leaders use it to yes, post. exactly. Every organization and company uses it as like a, a front forward marketing channel or to make announcements. News websites are using yeah. it as one of their primary feeds. And all of a sudden, they're like, forget that. Forget all that stuff. Yeah. We're, we're just going to become a porn site. Yeah. It's forget- so deranged. Yeah. Forget ads from Huggies. But I guess my one query is this set the internet on fire Yes, they set up a working group. And yes, it seems like only a month or so ago, a couple of months ago, it finally got neutered. But how far along? Because the other side of the coin is they're a business that's trying to find money. I guess they'd be negligent if they didn't put you know, a few resources to exploring it as a concept. How would it work? What would it look like? What are the risks? Totally. From reading the articles, it sounds like it was bigger than that in that it sounds like a working group basically put together a pitch and they then spun up a red team to analyze the pitch, which sounds like- well, I don't know how fully formed that is. I don't know the ins and outs of Twitter. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But it could have just been, it could be smaller is what I'm saying than what uh, the publicity shows. It does seem pretty wild to even consider it in the first place. But, you know, they've been told they need to make money. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But look, the thing that eventually shot them in the foot, which is the problem that affects even major social media networks that are not on a dime deciding to become porn sites, was the fact that their red team, basically came back and said, there's absolutely no way that we can run this and effectively moderate to cut out basically like illegal porn, yeah, like child porn or whatever it may be, revenge porn, yeah, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to be able to do that to like a reliable level that will make this like a viable product that isn't going to be shot down by, you know, some sort of law enforcement or some sort of regulatory body. Yeah. Oh, and they identified that at the moment that Twitter's tools were horribly outdated for finding, yeah, illegal pornography, including obviously child sexual exploitation material. CSAM is the the term used now. And so asking for more pornography when you can't identify (laughs) the good from the bad is probably not a good idea. (laughs) Totally, yeah. The CSAM thing is obviously a broader issue. As you said, it's it's a broader problem for all the platforms and a really hard one to deal with. Recently, there was a New York Times article about uh, dad's son had um, like a rash around his groin area. An online doctor said, send a photo, took a photo with his phone, sent it through to the doctor. Now, Google is actively scanning for CSAM material in your Google photo library and not just known CSAM. So 
I should take a step back. The way that, for example, Apple proposed doing this a while ago um, is there's a database of CSAM, known CSAM material images, but they've been hashed. So it's like you've got this database of hashed images, a hashed image being like you basically turn the pixels of the image into uh, a long string of characters, but it means that a uh, computer can scan it, create the hash, and then you can match hashes in this database. And obviously, if you've got known CSAM material, it will be identified. Google are more proactive than that. They are trying to identify it, not against the database, identify it basically as it's been happening in order to obviously stop it. Because one of the issues with this database is like, okay, great, you're finding people who have got this material, but it could be years old. So the idea of Google is to obviously trying to get children out of these situations. He was flagged for CSAM material with this picture of his son's groin. It was sent to the police. He received a, a manila envelope from the police basically saying that he had been investigated, but he had been cleared. Meanwhile, though, Google had taken all of his accounts off him from email to he used a Google phone carrier, internet provider, everything caused havoc. He couldn't get into anything because his phone number was taken, et cetera, et cetera. And even though he w- the police said there's nothing to investigate here, Google basically said their decision was final, which is a pretty big thing to happen to someone for taking a photo of their son. Yeah, it's one of those weird, complicated w- issues. And there's it's been facing all of the platforms, be it social media or companies like Apple and Google, trying to deal with obviously like the scourge of CSAM material mm. while also dealing with privacy concerns. And there were other reports in the New York Times as well that like, for example, Facebook Messenger is used as kind of like a platform to exchange illegal porn all the time, presumably by people who are both pedophiles and very stupid, <laughs> essentially. And so so that the hashing thing and the automatic searching is one of the the ways that they've kind of come up to deal with it. Getting back to like the original question, OnlyFans has been in heaps of, heaps of trouble in the past for not having strong enough age verification stuff. Mm. I'm pretty sure their current thing is they do the same thing, searching for hashes, mm. and they also have like an age verification system which involves someone who wants to become a model taking like a selfie with their ID mm. to prove they're of age. And then a story came out that it was like um, some girl who was underage had signed up just using like her mum's ID. Yeah. So yeah, it's like all these weird, across the board, really strange problems where they're like the infor- they're trying to enforce, but either the intelligence doesn't work super well, like in the case of the Google thing. Well, they did say that there'd been more than four thousand five hundred reports from Google in a year that had been investigated. We don't know how many of yep. them turned out to be like this, how many didn't. But presumably in a bunch of cases, that's fantastic if it, when working as intended, right? Like if it's pulling children out of these situations. Yep. However, there's a reluctance as well from the platforms to talk about these numbers and allow us to kind of have this complicated conversation, this privacy versus protecting kids in particular, but not just kids. Obviously, there's like revenge porn or, you know, unauthorized sharing of porn. Copyright. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, because, I mean, I remember a few years ago, Facebook came out and made the announcement that they caught 30,000 uh, CSAM images or taken it off their platforms. And all the reporting was basically about how Facebook was used as a platform to share CSAM and how it was like this child porn hub because they'd announced what they'd found. And so there seems a reluctance since then because they got raked over the coals to really proactively talk about what you're doing. So unfortunately, what is a pretty big discussion and something that people should know, like you should know that your phone, that Google is scanning your images and sending them proactively to the police. There's reluctance to talk about it. And so therefore, this conversation is kind of had in back rooms, including 
at Twitter because Twitter decided that or thought that maybe they wanted to get involved in all of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Twitter's stupid is, is kind of the, the, the final line on that. Very dumb company. 